When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, I always think you can't change somebody's character. Mm. You can change behavior. People change their behaviors. Mm. Because if people didn't, like I would still be addicted to drugs and on alcohol. What's your mantra, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> um, it changes, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, uh, what's yours? I don't really have a mantra right now. I'll look in. I'll look in the mirror and I'll I'll call myself a bad bitch. But I'd be like, "Wow, you don't like. You're not gonna get this part. You're not good enough. Your dance teacher told you over and over. She was right." Today we are talking about self worth and resilience, Tony. But before I introduce our guest, I want to remind you to download and subscribe to this podcast. Click that subscribe button. And uh, in the studio with me today is TV personality, author, mental health advocate. You might know her from the TV show Dance Moms, Chloe Lukasiak. And we'll get into if she wants to be known as being that girl from Dance Moms and how hard it has been to transition out of that. But thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. And you got off a flight. You woke up at 4 a.m. New York time. Yep. Flew out here. Yep. You're running on how much sleep? Well, luckily I slept on the flight. So I'd say like a good few hours now, but like two hours. I gotcha. And so for I've only I only know a little bit about Dance Moms. You know, they kind of show the highlights. Right. I find sometimes even with Dr. Phil, people will be like, oh, yeah, I know Dr. Phil. But then they maybe haven't watched the full episode through. Right. Mm-hmm. And explain what Dance Moms is. What is this show that you were on? Dance Moms was a competition show. Uh, so I was with my team. There is eight of us all together and our moms were also on the show and then our dance teacher was on the show and every week we would learn a group number and maybe a few solos or duets or trios any any number of dances and then we'd go we'd drive to the venue and compete that weekend and then drive home so I was working every day but Monday it was crazy and was this something you wanted to do or you don't know you start at nine right? I was nine so I it became really normal to me really fast. I assumed everyone's life was like this, which is it's not, but <laughs> to me it was normal. And, and looking back, what was the experience like? Honestly, I'm of the mindset that you can only, like you can't regret anything cause you can't go back and fix it. So I'm just grateful that it turned me into the person I am now. Definitely like have really thick skin and it gave me a lot of the opportunities I have now. So I'm grateful for it. It was rough to go through, but. 
I was just in survival mode when I was going through it. So I wasn't really thinking about it. It was just like survive the day. And now I look back and I'm like, that was a lot at nine. I'm sure that must have been cool though. Like to be on a show at nine years old, like yeah. I feel like that was like every kid's dream watching like Disney Channel or like watching some type of mm. show where they I wish I was on a show at nine years old. <laughs> I didn't know if that how that would have happened, but that would have I'm sure that was cool. It was cool in certain aspects, like but the thing is, is I don't even think I really understood I was on a show because, you know, I watched television and like I wanted to be like, you know, on Disney or whatever. But I don't think I realized that I was like on a TV show that aired every single week that lots of people saw. Got I was it. just do I would go to school from seven to three and then I would go to my dance studio from four to like 11 and then I'd stay up doing homework and rehearsing. It just and wh why did that experience help you grow thicker skin? My dance teacher um, was not the nicest to me, so I felt um, that it was it was kind of a negative experience. Do you, do you feel like on those types of shows, such as like Dance Moms, do you think people's personalities are exaggerated so that? they can get a better TV moment? Or do you think it's just overall, you were just treated not in the way you wanted to be treated? I mean, yes and no. Her specifically, no, it wasn't. That's who she is. Yeah. But other people, yeah. Other people, I would see how they would act on the show and I'd be like, that's not. <laughs> I, you just acted different two seconds ago and the cameras weren't rolling. I'm a little bit confused right now. And like I said, I didn't know I was on a show, so I was just being myself constantly. So if you, when you have kids, do you have plan to have kids one day? I don't know. We'll see. Let's okay. say you did. Okay. Let's say okay. I did. And let's say there's an opportunity to go on a competition reality show of some sort. Mm-hmm. And the opportunities there they're like your kid is a star you know this is you know this is a perfect opportunity and your kid loves whatever it is mm. what would you what decision would you make now going through that experience i would talk to my kid i mean it's, it would be hard for them to probably grasp the like what it could be um when they're so young, but I would definitely explain what the experience would probably look like and how it would benefit them and how it would hurt them. And I'd leave the decision up to them. So you'd still let your, you would still. If they chose to, if they felt like it was the right decision for them, then at that point I might be like, maybe not, <laughs> but I at least give them the opportunity to be like, yes or no. Because isn't every kid kind of excited and doesn't know yeah. what to do? And if anything, at a certain point, if, if we all as kids got to decide what we wanted, <laughs> our parents wouldn't really be parents, right? We would, <laughs> right. Be, we would end up running the show. Right. So what are the downsides that you've seen? Because a lot of people enter this. A lot of people think they're going to be the next star. Right, right. And then they go through a really grueling process and what have you seen as kind of the consequences in people's lives having their lives aired out on television? I can't really speak for everyone, but for me, I know it has an effect on me more now than it did back then. Like I said, back then I was in survival mode. I wasn't really thinking about it. And mm. now it has affected my mental health. Tell me how. I think, so this past year I've, I've really used it to like, I mean, well, the past two years, quarantine, I used it to like slow down and kind of go like inward and heal. Like it was definitely a really like growing year for me. Um, but 
prior to that, like I didn't really think about it. I shoved it away constantly. I was like, that's, we don't need to like bring that up. Cause if we bring that up, then I'm just going to be laying in bed for like four months. So now I realize how much it had an effect on my self-esteem, my self-worth. Uh, I struggled with eating disorders, but it was only after I left the show that that happened. But I, I'm sure that the eating disorders kind of stemmed from the show a little bit. Um, I, th I think in lots of ways, I mean, it shaped who I am. And I don't think I even know all the ways that it shaped who I am. But, but when you say it affected your self-esteem, mm -hmm. but at the time you didn't realize it was because you yeah. were kind of young. Right. And so you've matured now. In what ways do you feel like, oh, wow, that affected my self-esteem? If I hadn't done it, maybe I wouldn't view myself as blank. I never, ever see myself as, I mean, I, I feel like everyone maybe feels this way in their own way, but I like don't see myself as like a, a worthy person ever. It's taken me a lot to just be like, I deserve to like feel how I feel and it's okay to want to win first place or not win first place, but you know, like in the adult world, whatever that means. Um, so you say you, because of that experience, did you win by the way? You were on four seasons. Did you ever win the show? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that was kind of like my quote unquote storyline. It's like I wouldn't win all year. And then um, the second season, I think I won first place. So that was at Nationals. You think it didn't matter? It didn't matter? Meaning like you, you're like, I think I won second, uh, first place. <laughs> so meaning that like didn't have that much of no. a impact. No. You know, I look back at in my years of playing basketball and I played on a team in high school that was top 25 in the country. People would travel from all over to just have this as your coach, this guy, Gary McKnight is his name. And uh, we would win everything, you know, state championship, CIF. But none of that today has any impact. I remember he would say, you're never going to forget these moments. And all I remember was him saying, you're never going to forget these moments. Yeah. But other than that, it really felt like you go through this like hamster wheel yeah. made to believe these certain things are important when really they don't matter at all. If anything, you're just helping an institution or a coach look good or make good TV. You're not really doing anything because you're kind of controlled in a way you're edited. You're not able to have a choice in how you present yourself to the world. And you kind of are have to deal with whatever it is but I'm, I'm curious, what had you come to this realization that you had a core belief that you weren't worthy? I think it was always in the back of the, in, in the back of my mind, but I never realized that it wasn't like a normal thought to have that, like, not everyone assumed that they like didn't deserve to like receive good things and like do good in life. Um, until, like I said, like a year and a half ago. And then like when the world slowed down and I just had so much time to, I started therapy. I'm now in a life coaching program. Like I'm like really doing all the work. And now I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't think everyone has these thoughts that you're not like good enough. And um, th that seems so cliche, that sentence. I don't know how to like fully go into it without just like describe, like it's just a feeling I have that I'm working through, but um and do certain situations, you know, trigger that feeling more? Absolutely. So what, what type of situations seem to bring that out the most? 
I mean, I have, uh, I've acted in seven films, but I'm auditioning still. And that's something I'm interested in acting. And so, you know, when I do auditions and half, actually not half the time, most of the time, the answer is no, there's rejection. Like that definitely triggers it. Um, that's the only one that comes to mind. Cause it's the most, like, it's, it's a good example of how I feel, but and what do, you, what do you typically in the past, not saying today, when you would feel like you're not worthy or feel rejected yeah, or not good enough, how would you cope? <laughs> I'd just sit in that feeling. I wouldn't even deal with it. I'd be like, wow, you don't, like, you're not going to get this part. You're not good enough. Like your dance teacher told you over and over she was right. And I think that's like where I'm starting to realize it's not that she was right. It's just, that's what she's told me. And that's my core belief is that she's right, that I'm not good enough. So that's what I'm trying to change is that that's not true. It's just one person's opinion. Yeah. It's almost like when somebody's voice can tap into your insecurity <laughs> because authentically or in a real way, you would feel insecure competing in anything. Then when you're a kid, competing in it we don't have the coping skills <laughs> we don't have the self-awareness we don't realize the value of what's important and what's not important and so the voices when we're young can become really loud and strong mm -hmm. and it sounds like uh at the the main abby yeah abby. was the kind of the voice that would keep beating that into your head mm -hmm. and at a certain point, you started to kind of believe it. Yes. I always like, I'm, everything happens for a reason. And I went through it at the age I was supposed to, but some part of me does wish I could experience it as in someone who's older, because I feel like I would go into it with such a different mindset. Like she can, now anyone can say anything to me and I'm not bugged by it because I know my truth and like that's their opinion or they're projecting or whatever. And so I wish I could go through it and not have little nine-year-old me like have this someone else's voice become my own thoughts um because I feel like I would just go into it so differently now because it's true like her voice did become my thoughts for so long and longer than I even realized mm. I mean up until like two years ago so it's something I'm still working Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morph. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. What has worked for you in terms of shifting the voice? Well, like I said, therapy, life coaching, um, but a lot of like, like, like anything in therapy or life coaching specifically, like a certain exercise, I a mean, certain approach. I meditate every day. I'm, I do like incorporate like inner child work and all those things. Cause I, I think that really helps me a lot. So just kind of, soothing that part of my mind that's like it's okay like it's okay to be upset about that time in your life but those 
that's not your truth. That's not who you are. You can be whoever you want to be. Like you can reshape, like you can write your narrative, mm -hmm. like your story. It doesn't have to be someone else's opinions from 10 years ago, still lingering in your thoughts. Like, so journaling, meditating, um, those How are my are main things. 20. 20. Yeah. You're starting this all really young, <laughs> I a know. lot younger than a lot of people. I mean, it, has it been difficult to find peers around 20 years old that are into the same thing <laughs> yeah. of meditating and journaling? <laughs> well, not as hard as because we're in L.A. So there's a lot of people I feel like. Who How do you find these people? <laughs> I don't know. They come to me. Attraction, the law of attraction. OK. <laughs> yeah. So did you change your friend group once you started realizing these things yes. or was a friend group kind of difficult for you because you spent so many years in the public eye? I've, yeah, I've always had, not always, but I did struggle with friend groups because I had like a built in friend group when I was on the show we were together every single day. And then I left and I was able to make friends easily. And then it was like, as I got older, I got a little bit more picky which I think is a good thing. And now I'm like really selective about who I let in my life. I'd say the past almost year, I've lost a lot of friends and I'm so happy about it, honestly. Like everyone who isn't on the same page as me or doesn't respect me the way I respect them mm -hmm. or who doesn't, um, which is a huge thing for me. Like I have to respect people who are in my life, um, which I think is a given, but not a lot of people realize that that's important. Um, that part. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it, I, I can relate to you because it's like one of those things where it's like you keep certain people in your life that are going to like lift you up. Mm -hmm. But the rest of them who are just like <laughs> who are just like saying things behind your back yeah. or like putting doubts in your head. It's like, let me just get those people out. Right. And right. It feels so much better. It feels so much better. And if you get that negativity and the or like toxic. those all those toxicity yes. like away from you, then you realize there's so much freedom now yeah. to like focus on What's what you want. What's an example would you guys say of toxicity in terms of like when you see friends do blank, it's a red flag. When they do blank, blank, <laughs> it's time that we lose them as friends. Is there any characteristics? When they question your success, that's one big part. What does I've, that had, mean? I've had certain friends where um, like I, for some reason, or not for some reason, but I got a brand deal and they didn't. And they questioned it like, wait, why, why are you getting that? Yes. Like I have, I have more followers than you. Like I, I didn't get that email. Let me, that's weird that they hit you up for that, but they didn't so hit that me up immediately that. turn you off. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, wait, like I, why, why don't I deserve that? Like, why am I mm. not deserving of that? Like, do you, do you feel like, and then they just kept on going and on going until the point where it's like, you know, this person started, you know, like started, where they're not happy for you. Yeah. yeah. No, it was not. Happy there it's at all. more questioning yeah. as if it's a fluke. Yeah. And then of course it comes into where like, oh, was. Was the agency that got you was someone working with you that was gay? Oh, that's probably why, because you're gay, they're gay. It goes in hand in hand. You guys are just looking out for each other. It was very just toxic. It was nasty. It was like nothing that I did or nothing that I was awarded was was for me. It was like it was something something had to be in the background that was happening that I got that. Like or it wasn't it was just, you you it wasn't couldn't well be deserved. worthy enough. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks though. It's like people like that, it's like you cut them out and it's like, oh, those voices aren't in your head anymore. Right. And it's nice. Yeah. You don't have to someone told me this once when you walk away from your friend group or you leave them for the night, if you feel any sort of way other than energized, inspired, feel mm. like good then you should cut them out. And I had that experience recently. I was with a friend who I've been friends with for like two or three years. And just, she's 
changed a lot and like was just treating me differently. And when I left, I felt horrible. I was like, I felt bad about myself first. And then I was like, you have no reason to feel bad about yourself. It's her projecting and Mm. changing as a human. And she doesn't really fit your life anymore. So I've cut her out. I don't really talk to her anymore. It's not that I'm like, you're cut out boundaries. If she changes, I'm happy to like, maybe like let her back in, but that's hard though, because that comes with time. Uh-huh. I feel and like it is, it's not overnight where I someone know. can say, hey, I'm different. I won't do yeah. this anymore. But it's like, let me but just. I, I always view it as a house. Mm. There's there's people in the kitchen or the bedroom. Then there's the kitchen. Yeah. Then there's the backyard. They're not getting in the house. <laughs> then they're across the street and you wave. Yeah. Then there's the true. others that you walk the other way. Uh, and some people you may move from the kitchen outdoors mm-hmm. for a period of time. And they may make it back in the house, but it really depends on. And I think it's helpful to have conversations when we care about people around what is coming up for us. Mm -hmm. I find that an important quality in my friendships is being able to have a honest, vulnerable conversation where we can share even about this connection and dynamic. Mm -hmm. And it takes some maturity because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't want to have that conversation. Mm. Mm. And I find those are the people that I'm sometimes not as close with because we all have good and bad days. We're going to have days when we're not ourselves. We're hanging out with a friend. Yeah. And we don't bring the best version of ourselves because we had a rough week or we didn't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be a little sensitive. But if someone is showing their character, you know, I always think you can't change somebody's character. Mm. You can change behavior. People change their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Because if people didn't, like, I would still be addicted to drugs and on alcohol. Like, we change our behavior. Yeah. You would still be in the midst of your eating disorder. Yeah. Right? And sometimes there's excuses to why we're not ourselves. But I think it's incredibly important to have conversations with those people Mm -hmm. because it teaches us a lot about ourselves. I went through many years where I wouldn't have the conversation with people and friendships would kind of drift apart. People I really loved because I was afraid of telling them my experience of our relationship. And sometimes when we do that, we get even closer. Yeah. Because it only takes that one moment where right. where we feel it. You're right. And we're like, oh, you see me and I see you. Right. But it's like, how many times do you have to have that conversation with that person? Like, if you have expressed this to them and time after time it happens again and it happens again and the behavior doesn't change, then would you recommend cutting someone out of your life? I think it's how we articulate what the problem is. Mm. If you were to tell your friend, Tony, I feel like you're not rooting for me to win. When you talk about why you get that, it makes me feel like I'm not good enough and mm-hmm. I'm less than. That's different than saying, why are you always hating? And, right? no, and, yeah. and I'm saying if you, if you do bring the conversation to the table, then, then there's a truth for you where it's going to either come or go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just find it sometimes really hard to have that conversation because we have to get vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's easier just to say, well, yeah. <laughs> they did it again. Yeah. But the magic for ourselves is being able to have that conversation that's really brave, but it's hard as hell. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, you're both younger than me and I've been through, you know, I'm twice as old as Chloe, which I can't believe I'm twice as old. You're the, you may be the youngest guest we've had here. I think she is the youngest guest. (laughs) But she's also fairly enlightened because most of the guests who come in aren't meditating and going to therapy (laughs) and working with a life coach. So, I mean, you're going to have on this trajectory of what you're doing right now. And I think the experience you had at a young age, makes you better in having empathy. Mm-hmm. It probably got you to a place at 20 years old where you're doing meditation yeah, and where you're doing therapy. Some people are resilient enough to say, okay, I need help. Something's off. And some people will take what happened in their childhood and they're going to be a victim mm-hmm. and they're going to stay a victim mm-hmm. and they're never going to change. And so I really applaud you for taking initiative and not sitting here in any sort of way claiming that poor me, you know, it's, that's the vibe I get off. Yeah. No, I mean, I admit, well, actually I was going to say I have those moments, but I think since I've started this sort of like journey, I don't really have those moments because I like this, these past two years of enlightenment have made me realize that it's like all my perspective, like what I can do about it. Like, I don't want to be the victim. I don't want to let my past define my future. I want to be like, I want to change my story right now because I don't want to look back when I'm 80 and be like, wow, four years of my life when I was nine years old controlled how the rest of my life went. Mm. Do you still love to dance? My relationship with dance is kind of tricky since the show, I dance when I want to. Because you're a phenomenal dancer. Thank you. Thank you. Well, clearly, I mean, if you're on a show (laughs) for dancing, even if you're not like the number one, the superstars, that's what people choose to be on television is the best possible dancers. Maybe they'll choose a few people with bad personalities for (laughs) bull and china shops, right? Or have a mom who's going to be a bull in a china shop. But overall... Like you're a great dancer, so but your relationship to dance changed. Do you want it to be how it is, tricky and complicated? I'm okay with how it is. I have had a difficult relationship with dance my whole life. Like growing up, I never even knew like if that's what I wanted to do or if I was just kind of accepting it because it seemed like the only possibility coming from Pittsburgh with like no real idea of what I was going to do. Um so I'm, I'm okay with where it is. Cause it's like, when I get that urge, there's a dance studio five minutes from my house. I rent so out. When was the last time you danced? <laughs> Two months ago. I just rent out the studio for an hour. I go, I get it all out. And then I'm like satisfied for a while. Mm. Yeah. So we'll and if you're in a club now with friends or a <laughs> bar, do you dance? Well, uh, actually I dance more well I don't not that I'm like going to clubs but like at the event I was at last night Mm -hmm. for uh the Met Gala after party there was so many people dancing so I was just I was dancing along I find that more fun and I'm I don't know how or why but I'm the worst like just fun dance you know what I mean when it's not like choreographed and like really like technical (laughs) when it's just for fun I'm so awkward and I think it's because I have so much training that I don't know how to just be like and you probably need a lot of space (laughs) like for you to really get down I find look I'm not the best dancer but I can tell you 
I don't like going out to clubs and dancing with people unless I have a lot of space mm. because well, at the gay clubs, it's like, especially circuit parties or after hours, all the men are shirtless and all they do is basically hold each other in a circle. And <laughs> you see a few people with fans yelling out fierce. Okay. But it's not, there's not dancing. And yeah. then afterwards people go, oh, it was amazing. I was danced all night. I'm like, dude, you were hugging. You, your you know what I'm talking about, right? Two step. They're, not even, they're yeah. not even dancing. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. Yeah. And they can't hear each other. I've always thought which I love raves. Like mm -hmm. I love like dressing up and like going after and kind of just getting into the vibe, but a club and just going to one Oak and yeah, dancing. It's, just, it's not, it's not the same. I mean, it's just not as fun. Like it's, 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 it's fun to a certain extent, but it's not as fun. I don't know why I picture her at the after party, like doing a full on choreography. All I picture is like, she's cute. not the girl I would want to dance next to. Just move out of the way. I, I went to college with this girl who took ballet when she was younger. And she, when she danced in the club, it was so graceful and cool. Oh my I God, no, that's like, not me. <laughs> really? I'm putting myself down right now, but no, that's, I'm telling you. And yeah, when you, if you ever see each other at like an after party or something, I just sit in the yeah. corner She's and I just like move in. my shoulders, like barely. <laughs> so everyone's like, look at the white girl dancing. Yeah, yes, oh, exactly. <laughs> she can't do that. Yeah, yeah. She's got no rhythm. They're going to make a meme about it. They're going to take a video I and be can't. like, this is white people dancing. Mike, what would you recommend to her? or to anyone uh -huh. how to build up self-worth mm. well like you both are talking about what's crucial is your community or the people around you because the types of conversations we have with people also if they're safe and encouraging and growth oriented that's medicine to the soul and so definitely community ritual having some sort of ritual, which you're doing, which is meditation. You know, everyone's different. I do a mantra. I look in the mirror. Even now, I'll still say things, you know, when, especially when it's a big event. Mm -hmm. um, but self-esteem comes from doing esteemable things, but it also requires talking and communicating with other people. Because you can do a lot of esteemable things and just be a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. or you can talk to someone about how you feel, you know, people pleasers, for example, are afraid of someone else being disappointed. They won't talk about it. And then eventually they get resentful. They don't say anything and it comes out passive aggressively. So I just think it's, and it's just being on the journey. I mean, it's being on that growth journey, which, which you're on. I, I'm, I'm impressed that you're 20. I've said it, but that's, that's, uh, that's an awesome thing. Thank you. I was not meditating at 20 years old. Yeah, but what's your mantra, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> um, it changes, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, uh, what's yours? Mine changes every day. I just found this app called I Am, and it's aff an affirmation app, and it yeah. sends you affirmations every, or you can pick how often, but it sends every hour. And I find that that's... It's so nice because like life gets chaotic and then like my affirmation will pop up. And for some reason, it centers me back to like who I've been working on being the past two years. Yeah. But I don't really have a mantra right now. I'll look in, I'll look in the mirror and I'll, I'll call myself a bad bitch. And when I know <laughs> I need to like, when yeah. I need to like turn it on yeah. and I'm going in into a room with high energy yeah. and 
I better bring my A game. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm going into a room where I'm like, okay, I don't want any anxiety. It's just like, you're enough. Yeah. Awesome. You know, but if it's, if it's that energy, like I'm going to go on stage and go speak for thousands of people. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you need that. I'm a bad bitch. Yeah. You you do all the time. Like you better, you better go in there and work. Okay. So we have a few questions. What we do on this podcast now is you're going to read out the wizard hat. So you'll pull two questions. Oh, you can grab the hat or you can grab the whole hat. Yeah, you can grab the whole hat. It's that way it's a little bit easier for you. <laughs> she grabs all the questions. Oh, no. Okay. Just grab any? I need a mantra right now. When did you first get your heart broken? Hmm. Oh, man, that was... T- who put that question in there? That's t- Oh, that's brutal. That is brutal. <laughs> it doesn't mm. have to be by a lover. Yeah, right. It could just yeah. be just in general. Hmm. I would say I was five. And who broke your heart? I'm gonna leave that one. Oh, it's a unnamed. Mystery. Yeah, but um, it wasn't like a lover or anything. Yeah, but it's just more family oriented. Yeah, gotcha. It was. I felt like I grew up, and I was suddenly thirty. I was like, Aww. oh, this is how life is. So that's why I'm meditating at twenty because I was thirty at five. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Another one? Yeah, okay. another question. Let's see. What do you... <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because... <laughs> when What do you think is the sexiest thing about you in others? I think this is something I need to work on because I just found that funny at first. Um, <laughs> hmm. I think we could all answer this question too, by the way. So we'll okay, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. You guys it. go. What, what, what is the th- what is the what what do you find sexiest about yourself? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Or you want me no, to go first? I don't want to go first. You don't want to go first? I thought Chloe was going first. Well, no, she. she we're going to give her some time. So, okay. uh, so what's the sexiest thing about yourself, Tony? I'm just gonna go with my smile. I don't know. That's what I was gonna do. Oh, why did you lay I mean, it out? You okay, because I first don't know, of all, like, you're talking for. In watching your body movement, you said the, the <laughs> most, I, you basically commanded us all doing this. And then we're supposed to talk about what's most sexy. And the way you deliver, you went, my smile. Uh, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Is, is you sure? My smile. Okay. Is that better? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's yeah. good, right? All right, that's you go next, Mike. <laughs> mm, the sexiest thing about me? I already know what you're going to say. I would say uh, my, I'm not even thinking physical. Does it have to be physical? I mean, it doesn't have to be, no, no, hmm. at all. I, I mean, I think the sexiest thing about me is my creativity. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Getting deep here. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to go not physical too, because I would say... This is something I'm most proud of, but also like the sexiest thing is I feel I let others like I really listen to other people and let them be themselves around me. Like I feel like I'm really present with people. Safe. Yeah. I feel like that's sexy. I like that. And I got to ask before we go into the next question, what's like been your biggest inspiration like today or like for the past like several months? Like what's one thing that's been inspiring you or what's one thing that's to kind been, of go yeah, on this journey yeah, or motivating you just in life? What I touched on earlier, I'd rather be 
there's a quote, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but something about, I'd rather not be a victim of my circumstances, but like a something about choosing what happens. And that's been like the biggest for me because life can pass you by really fast. Like before I started going on this journey, like months and months and months would go by and I'd like not even really be present. I wouldn't be proud of what Mm. I was doing and I wouldn't be like happy with who I was. And I just didn't want my whole life to pass me by and feel like that. So that's been the biggest is just making my life the most abundant and like full as it could possibly be. Are you dating now? (laughs) <laughs> why are people so weird about like saying if they're dating people like in general i don't know it's like such a private thing i guess huh i mean to, to, some, to people some people it is. to some people it is like if you ask me i'd be like i, I was like just it. trying to picture chloe's life i'm like okay she's meditating she's dating <laughs> someone are they meditating with her <laughs> i'm gonna keep that one a mystery <laughs> that's a mystery Mark. got it I have sometimes, a, sometimes people are you know are you keep, dating no, no not right now I mean, I'll date. I've gone on dates. Yeah. I think dating is when it's a little more defined as dating. Mm. And so, yeah. I've, what do you mean defined? What do you meaning? Like, like you're spending consistently a lot of time with the same person. Mm. Like dating before you're like officially like. Yeah, like together. you're starting to t- test the waters. Gotcha. Like I would never. Well, I shouldn't say never, but I have not experienced where I'm with someone less than a few months and where I'm saying we're a couple. Right. I kind of feel like it needs a little time and space, but that's just for me. Other people will move in together, you know, within a week. I just don't have that um, energy inside of me. And plus you're young. So, I mean, like I, I say this because you're like, you're not even 21 yet. No. Like she can't even go out and like, like you can't even go to like a club, a 21 and over club. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can with, right? <laughs> but uh, that's crazy. That's awesome, yeah. though. I would what say. do you want your, now that you've gone through this experience, you have a huge, you know, social media platform, big engagement, a lot of people, you know, excited about what you're doing. What do you, if you were to envision what you would like to be doing, let's say five years from now, what would that look like? In regards to the impact I have or just in general? Period. I'd like to be writing hopefully my third book at that point. We talked about how you've written a book. I've written a book. I want to get, I love writing and I want to write um, a fiction fantasy novel. So hopefully at that point I'll be like on the second one. I want to travel a lot. I think that's what life is about is connecting with other people and experiencing things um just kind of doing what you do now yeah kind of i'm and that's and that's what i was saying earlier like i want to create a life that i'm happy with and i'm not like looking towards the future i'm just like i want to learn to be happy in the present what what do you wish was different today in your life some of my relationships in my life you just Keeping wish. it vague. <laughs> but yeah, there are some relationships in my life that I wish were different, but it's kind of out of my control. Got it. So the, it's only the only thing that you wish was different is the stuff that's out of control? Yeah. Which is what meditation is for, is being happy with what you can control and realizing you can't control other things. Yeah. How long are your meditations? It varies. Sometimes I like only have five minutes or my brain like... 
But I love to get like a good 20 minute one in. And ideally I like to like do yoga and stretch after or before. Depending. I love yoga. Mm-hmm. I gotta ask, you're about to release or you're going to release a video where you discuss your, de- your eating disorder. Yeah. What, can you tell us more about that? About? Like, so you're, you posted, you made a video, correct? Yeah. So a year ago, I wrote a poem. I was in my creative writing class at Pepperdine and we had, it was our last assignment and he said, write whatever you want to write about. And when I sat down, I hadn't even, my eating disorders, I didn't even acknowledge them to myself. It was, and I talked about this in my video, but it was like a secret that was so big in my life that I kept it even for myself. So when I sat down, like I couldn't think of anything else to write except for that. Like it, it was just like needing to like I just needed to say it kind of and so I wrote it and it was the first time I kind of acknowledged it and then I shared it with like with uh, my classmates and then I decided I really wanted to share it with people because I realized I went through this experience and I want to help other people by sharing my experience and then I, I released the poem on Instagram I like posted it and people like it, it got such amazing support but I realized I wasn't ready to talk about it. I realized that like finally I had acknowledged it, but I wasn't really ready to like open up to people about it. So I took, that's kind of what spurred this year long like journey. That's when I started therapy. And then that's when I kind of like went deeper and deeper and deeper. And now I'm in like a, like a safe place. So that's why I wanted to like um, record the video and talk about it. And what do you talk about? I talk about my, like when it started, what it was. What is it? Yeah. So I struggled with bulimia, anorexia. I still struggle with body dysmorphia and, um, they, it like was all spread out, but then kind of overlapped and everyone assumes it started when I was on the show, but it didn't. It actually started the year after I left the show. And that's because I wasn't working out as much because on the show, we, I, like I said, I worked out every single day, pretty much, except for Sundays. Do you remember the first time you threw up? No, I don't actually. I <laughs> I remember like needing, I felt really numb and I didn't like, I needed something like, I just, I, I was looking for anything. And so when I, uh, whenever I did it the first time, I realized it kind of like made me feel emotions I wasn't feeling like I just felt- how do you how do you think you knew that's what you had to do to, was it because you'd heard of it do you think or no I'm always it, curious like yeah it was you know, same thing with like self-harm right right like, right, right. D- it was more so because like I said I wasn't working out as much so I gained a lot of weight pretty quickly because I didn't like change my eating habits I just and when I was on the show I could eat anything I wanted because mm-hmm. I was working out so many hours in the day and then I, you know, the weight caught up to me. And instead of <laughs> taking a healthy approach, I was like, I need to get rid of this right now. And my brain like throwing up meant it was all going to go away. <laughs> and so I like, I hate to say this because I don't want other people to do this, but I just started looking it up and like researching and, you know, going on anything I could find. And Unfortunately, oh, trust me, you're not giving anyone tips. I know they already it. knew that. I know, yeah. but I like I didn't think there would be because I was like, there's no way people are going to talk about it and not think that people are going to do it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if they're looking for like advice or tips, like why would they right, post or how about not it? To be bloated after right, you do it, right? And what's yeah? 
So, so yeah, then I started throwing up and then it wasn't until I moved to LA that I like stopped eating. And at first it was just cause I was really busy and I wasn't prioritizing self-care. And then it got to a point where I was like addicted to the feeling of like being shaky and not eating. And like, it just went down from there and all along it was my body dysmorphia. So that's another thing I'm trying to work on It's it's difficult though. So you're, are you out of the, you know, purging? Yeah, I'd say I'm like fully, like, I'd say I'm fully recovered. I don't really consider body dysmorphia as part of the eating disorders, but it was like the reason they started and then they became something else. So what, when you say body dysmorphia, is there like a certain thing that always catches you, whether you're looking at photos, the mirror, anything that you kind of aren't able to like it's like your go-to like i'm looking there first my thighs your thighs yeah and on instagram models like you see like size double zero models every other post uh-huh. if you're looking at the wrong instagram i mean like and that was a huge struggle for me was was looking at other models and like the perfect bodies and and so that's that's what you look at and how do you change your relationship to that now? I think it I my life has changed so now that now I'm intentional with everything I do. So when I eat, I like acknowledge that I'm just eating to fill myself up because it's healthy and it doesn't like I instead of like being on diets or like rest, like you know, I don't engage with any of that now. I just listen to like what my body wants, what I need to do. I try to move my body like every single day, but like in regards to eating, I think all this diet culture stuff is BS. Like I won't, I don't engage anymore. So I just like listen to what I need and what I want to do. And my relationship with food has changed so much. That's awesome. Yeah. I can can relate to the, to the thighs. Really? I don't know if you remember when I first started like coming around and like actually like you know we started working together i never wore shorts you wouldn't wear shorts for the Me first time six to nine months you worked here i don't think Did you wore not shorts. Wear shorts ever ever i was like so self-conscious of my legs that i was just like i especially just here in west hollywood you know guys will wear short shorts and like they have nice big thighs and for me i was just, i never liked my legs until which i'm very blessed and fortunate to have my boyfriend eventually was just like i love your legs hmm. like i love your legs for the way they are like you don't need to have big legs you don't have to need to have big thighs and then eventually i was like all right cool like i don't mind and you know i still get compliments every now and then about or not compliments but I, people still tell me like oh my god your legs are so skinny like you need to like do something about it which thanks to mike i have been slowly but surely working out legs more often but because i've worked out with him a couple of times but definitely um i can relate to you with the legs and the thighs because yeah. it, it that sucks like it makes me not want to wear shorts i've always yeah. worn pants or yeah and i can see right now you're wearing a very long skirt yeah oh i wouldn't wear shirts for years wow years you would not catch me in shorts skirts anything i have like the polar opposite <laughs> i'm like take it or leave it mm-hmm this is what God gave me. Like, I'm going to work out and like my body will adjust how it needs to adjust. But like, sure, I want a better angle maybe, but it's kind of like, who am I trying to, who am I doing this for? Right. Yeah. That you know, like someone I don't know on Instagram, like, <laughs> yeah. someone that's not going to buy my books anyways, because they're focused on 
my whatever instead of my message. And, but I can understand the feeling like I sometimes I've had brief moments in this digital space where I'm new to it. You know, I'm 41 years old and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to be liked. I'm trying to be liked. Why am I trying to be liked Mm. by strangers? And it's a little confusing at times as you're trying to grow a brand and a business Mm -hmm. and how to stay authentic. But I don't know. In this last year during COVID, I just realized, and it was a roller coaster. It's like, it is what it is. It is what it is. And no one cares, honestly. (laughs) No one cares about anything about any of us no they're just like us thinking about themselves yes yeah that is something i realized this year changed my life no one is thinking about you as much as you think they're yeah, thinking no one's thinking about, about, you. about your thighs i know no one no not a single person is thinking about. i would thighs. never even have thought thighs yeah like even if that's not even like a thought no i know yeah it's <laughs> Sorry, I got too far away from the audio. No. I just, true, it's though. interesting how we hook. So, how can you get over this thigh obsession? So, for the past year, I've been taking myself to a neutral point. That's how I've healed. Instead of thinking about my thighs constantly in a negative way, I know I'm not going to be able to look at them and be like, I love you so much. Good job. <laughs> I just like take it to a neutral point where I'm like, I'm not yeah. really going to look at you. I'm not really going to think about you. I just accept that you're there. I appreciate all the work you do for me. Thank you. And then we leave it at that. I don't know if I'll ever like love my thighs, but the rest of my body, I've learned to be like really proud of it. Carries me everywhere I need to go. It does for me what I need to do. I, it works out for me. But Don't you feel like you're, you're on one hand, you're saying that Mm -hmm. on the other hand, you're a beautiful girl, woman. Thank you. You just went to fashion week. (laughs) You have to wear sexy outfits you didn't show up in you know a a velour jumpsuit right you know and even then you'd probably make it sexy (laughs) your makeup's on point your hair's on point earrings are on your skin's on point your earrings are your shoes are on point right so so it's not there is another side to it where yes these shoes are this body takes you places it's almost like how do you find that fine line though to where you don't obsess about it because you still want to look good. Good. I know it's hard, especially when you like put yourself in this industry right? where like it matters what you look like, which like I don't understand. But especially going to New York Fashion Week, like to be completely honest, I this week was really triggering for me. I haven't gone in like two weeks because or two years because of COVID. So this year I like or this week I really struggled. And so it's hard. Like you're right. The line is so fine because it's like, where do I worry about it because I have to and where does it just stop because it's like I can't do anything and how do you define it authentically for you and not compare yourselves yourself to others is the key right right I don't that's do you compare a lot I used to like a fashion week this past week did you compare a lot or no luckily no not this week that's awesome yeah I was just like I said I'm more at a neutral point where I'm like I'm I can't like change my bones. So I'm just going to accept this. And what's crazy is that I'm sure a lot of girls would kill to look like you. Kill. Literally. And that's that's what's what's crazy. That's what's like kind of sad about anyone who struggles with like eating disorders, body dysmorphia, all of that. It's like all, I mean, it's mostly a mental thing. Like it's all about like, you know, it's, it's not really about like, I hate my thighs. It had to do with a lot of like mental health 
problems. Well, and it has to do with you having a story that you tell yourself you're not worthy. Right. So, of course, well, girl, look at your thighs. Yeah, right. right. Like, yeah. See? Exactly. It's almost, it allows you to stay committed to the limiting belief that you have that you're not worthy. So if you're mm-hmm. able to pick something that isn't perfect, mm-hmm. then the aha, see? You're, you're going to find, if you have, whatever narrative you have in your head, your brain is going to look for things to, um, like, like evidence. Like yeah. if you have, if you have in your head that you're not good enough, my brain is going to look for every piece of evidence it <laughs> yeah. has that I'm not good enough. Absolutely. That's why like mindset is so important. And that's why this past year has been so pivotal for me. Cause I'm like, I just fake it till I make it. Life is positive. I love life. I get all the things I want and then it's starting to come. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being so honest with us, Chloe. Where can everyone find you? Uh, Chloe Lukasiak on Instagram, YouTube, everywhere. Social media. So how do you spell Lukasiak? L-U-K-A-S-I-A-K. I I just had to say that because I know it could could go a lot of different directions when you spell (laughs) it out. Well, thanks for coming in. I I think... um, it goes to show that you can do television at a young age and still come out as a <laughs> beautiful, young, talented woman and uh, that you still show up even on very little sleep and landing <laughs> and you're a go-getter. And um, congratulations on being this resilient and taking care of your mindset and realizing it's a priority. So you're welcome to come by anytime. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was this was the best thing to get off a flight to. So thank you. Good. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your story too. Yeah. It's about everything about your childhood and about, you know, your eating disorder and all that stuff. And I, I can't wait to see the video. Thank you. Yeah, I'm me too. Excited. This video is going to be hot. So everyone has to check it out on Instagram. And uh, if you're still with us on this podcast, make sure to click to subscribe, rate this podcast, send Chloe some positive messages. And until next time, keep it magical. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnoses, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.